0: Welcome to the Startup Brewery podcast where we discuss all things relating to startups, open and growing breweries from concept to execution. We're pleased to partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 23, your business plan and financing. How much does it matter? I'm Laura Lodge here with Candace Moon and we're excited to welcome you to our ongoing podcast journey. As your hosts and founders of Startup Brewery, we both have extensive experience in our areas of specialty. Candace is the craft beer attorney, having worked with more than 500 brewery clients over time, and my background is a mix of distribution, event planning, and craft beer education. You can find more information about us and our contributors, plus a whole bunch of info and resources at startabrewery.com. This will be episode 23, Your Business Plan and Financing, How Much Does It Matter? This episode wraps up the business plan section of the podcast, and it offers a lens into both the people and mechanics within the financing world. This is often the make-or-break spot for dreams and visions, and I know that any insight and guidance our guests offer today will be appreciated. Today's episode follows a duo of marketing episodes, Creating Your Marketing Plan, episode 21, with Bill Wetmore of Fathead's Brewery, Anne Obenchain of the Brewer's Association, and Julie Rhodes of Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions, and then most recently, episode 22, How Will You Leverage Your Brand? With Taylor Seidler of Seathurst Creative and Jenny Mann of DIY Social Media for Breweries, and Jenny Mann Photography. So with that, let's dive into banking and finance. So we're
1: pleased to welcome to the table today, Scott Berkner, SBA Lending Specialist with Dogwood State Bank, and Rick Wayner founder of Brewery Finance. Good afternoon, gentlemen.
2: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks for being here. I'm going to let you guys give a little bit of your, your background and what you do right now. Um, Scott, let's start with you.
3: All right, my pleasure. Uh, I'm Scott Berkner, I've worked for Dogwood State Bank for almost four years now. Uh, I work in our SBA loan division. I've been in the SBA business for over 25 years and has spent about 15 years uh, lending in the craft beverage space. Uh, Dogwood State Bank, is a, we're a community bank that's located in North Carolina. However, we do SBA, 7A, 504, and USDA loans on a nationwide platform typically loan sizes from half a million dollars to $15 million. And our our group has identified certain industries we believe have great potential and craft beverage is one of those industries.
1: Nice. You know, I feel like an idiot. I've always thought you were from Georgia, and I think that's just because of the dogwood. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating that. Uh, Rick, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yes. Thank you, Candice. Uh, my name is Rick Wayner. I'm the founder of Brewery Finance, as you mentioned. Uh, we started in about 2005 and we are an equipment finance company for craft uh, beverage producers. Um, we do do some small working capital loans, but it's primarily equipment finance. Since 2005, we have probably funded three or four hundred different breweries over the years for several millions of dollars. Um, we are not a bank. Uh, We have a whole network of equipment finance resources at our disposal, and uh, that's how we try to get deals done. So, yeah, been around a long time, and uh, (laughs) I've enjoyed the vast majority of my time in the beer industry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, well, let's jump right on in. Um, So, Scott, on the most basic level, are formal business plans required for all financing applications? And if not, what are the requirements around explaining the business uh behind
3: the financing request. Okay. Well, in our case, we're a preferred lender for the government, right? So the assessment of the business plan falls under our credit guidelines. But with that said, all SBA loans loan applications require a business plan, whether it's a startup, expansion, acquisition, partner buyouts, we now can do partner buy-ins, that's something new that's just come out. Um on your expansions, um, are they a little different than a startup? Yes. I think there, there'd be more emphasis on the current financial performance of the business and how this additional debt, this expansion debt is going to affect that. But I, okay. I've, never, I've never made an SBA loan that did not have a business plan, and I'd highly recommend somebody have a business plan.
1: You know, I, I feel totally justified now, Laura, that we've done 23 episodes on writing a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> you're muted if you were trying to say something.
0: Yes, I said it all came down to this moment.
1: <laughs> Justified. Yeah, Rick, did you want to add yeah, something? I just
2: gonna ask Scott because I know his 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 underwriting criteria are different than what I deal with. And if, if there are specific things that you're looking for in a business plan, um Like, is there anything, as you're looking at a a startup brewery and they're looking at their business plan, is there something in there that you're like, yeah, that checks this box and that checks this box or, oh God, no, I've seen this before. We're not even touching this. Or is it just, um, like what's the criteria that you're looking for specifically?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I get, I see a lot of business plans, right? Sometimes really early, you know, they're still just in the stage of we'd like to start a brewery and then others are ready to go. Um, what I tell my borrowers and work where, you know, give me 10 to 12, 15 pages of detailed information. I'm a happy person. I do a lot of volume. I can't read a 90 page, 100 page business plan for an SBA. It's just, it's just, it's not feasible. It's not a return on my time. Um, I've seen folks pay a lot of money. Uh, and and they end up with a generic business plan or it's just 90 pages of pictures from the Brewers Association, you know, graphs and charts that are <laughs> copied and pasted. So, you know, uh, or they go online and they find a canned business plan. That's okay if you're going to do that. For me, it'd be a template. But now you put the ingredients in there, right? You fill in the blanks. Um, for me, I guess if I'm, you know, bullet pointing for, What's important to me to see on a business plan, right? Whether it be a startup, expansion, a partner buyout, kind of the same, but, you know, they should always start with like a quick executive summary, right? General business information, company information, who's going to own the business, right? Let's talk about owners and investors in that section. The business concept, right? What are we doing? Where are we doing it? What's the mission behind it? Uh, tell us about the products. Most of our brewers are excited about their products. So I typically see that. So it checks the box. Some have seven to 10 pages of products with the ingredients, a little too much for your bankers, right? They just get to it. What are we serving? How are we serving it? Uh, something a lot miss is their percentage of sales. So we want to see a, a, if you if you have you a know, million dollars in revenue, how did we derive to the revenue? How did we get there? What's the assumption to that? So talk about taproom sales versus distribution sales. Talk about food sales if they're in there. Talk about other drinks that you might be serving, other products, right? Merchandise, events. And those should be broken out separately so we really could see the true beer piece and then everything else around it, right? Um, A lot of brewers I know are very excited about their equipment, and they forget to put that in the business plan. So. Equipment's important, right? We'd like to see what size is that system, at what capacity, if you're going to make 700 barrels of beer, what capacity are you using that system? Do you have room to grow in that system without having to buy additional uh, equipment, more capital, right? Team management, very important. You know, talk about the team, the guarantors of the loan, what's their backgrounds, how do we, you know, talk us into how you can sex- successfully run this business, Um A market analysis is good. Demographics, you know, brewery per capita, that information's out there. It's online. You can get it. Should insert that in there, right? Depending on the state and the location. Any local analysis is good. There's not a lot out there, but uh, competition, target market, marketing, location, location, location. That's a big hot button right now. Um, Is it feasible? Why, how? And then, you should include the financial plan, the projections with detailed assumptions. Assumptions are just how did we get to those numbers or those expenses and kind of break that down. I would put it on a separate form so, you know, an underwriter can see it and see that you put a lot of thought into those numbers and what's behind it. Right. How did we get there? And uh, and then. Ultimately, the the cost breakdown of what you want to borrow. Very important. Because if not, I've got to go through five or 10 different spreadsheets in Excel and I'm trying to find it. All of them, every one of them's got different numbers. So I'm trying to make up the project costs when I it better just put it in there, subject to change, but give us something to start with. So I hope I answered that.
1: Yeah, and I would actually say, it sounds like for that last um, page that you were asking about, I mean, maybe that's just something you put into a business plan when you're talking to a bank. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily something, so I definitely think it's interesting because we talked about all the, the BA graphs and all the industry information. I do think that's important when you're giving that business plan to somebody who doesn't know anything about the industry, like that can be very educational, but with someone like Scott, um, or Rick, or, you know, a lot of people who are very familiar, it's just extra, it's just filler for them, um. So to some extent, um, I guess what I'm thinking too is maybe, you know, you have a couple of versions of your business plan tailored to who you're presenting it to. Laura?
0: When you have finished reviewing something, if you think it has merit, does it eventually end up in the lap of somebody who maybe doesn't know beer as much?
3: Yeah, great question. Uh, Yeah, I've been fortunate enough, though, most of my group I've worked together for 15 plus years, most of my underwriters. Um, But very important, Candice just mentioned, if it's a bank that has never done a brewery, they're out there, right? And maybe it's a small town and you you approach a small town bank and they're struggling because they don't understand the industry other than some data they can find online, right? So very important there to be just more elaborate with everything you do because you're trying to sell them your plan, right? To make that credit decision. But uh, for, for us, you know, once I review the plan and the deal is going to move forward, it's going to go to my underwriter. Um, I've been in this business a long time. The underwriter signs off on the loan, not me. You know, I'm, I'm the gatekeeper if it comes into the bank, but they're the ultimate decision, right? So what I've done years and years of experience, my underwriters, listen to them. I get on the calls when they have a call with the borrower, where they have specific questions And guess what? They're the same repetitive questions over and over. And it's the things I just talked about. And if you put that in your plan, that's what's selling us is these people know what they're doing. They've got everything ready for us. We can make a decision in a couple of days versus weeks, right? If they're having to go back and forth with just multiple questions. The other thing in a credit person's mind, um, and I was one, you know, is they're just, they're, they're going to get stuck on certain things. So I've kind of interviewed my credit folks and say, tell me the the heartburn that you have on certain deals. Let's get those questions. And so I interview my borrower kind of separate, and I've got those questions answered. And they love that because it helps their workflow. It helps move that deal through more efficiently. And the less questions they have to ask, the stronger they feel about the credit. Because you did your job. Right, that's the best way I can say. It, is they did their job, and the underwriter. I've had my underwriters come back and email and say, "I'm not even going to have the call. I'm moving forward." The deal's great. So, you know, for bankers out there, listen to your credit people. like right? listen to what they want and how they want it, and, and and you know, you just have such a much better relationship and flow of how the deal goes through. So, yeah, there's there's a few eyes, uh, Laura, to get back to you. Answer your question is, yeah, there's multiple sets of eyes. Um, the underwriter is really relying on us though, to be the gatekeeper, you know, let's just not bring in things that are not going to work and they're going to get declined. There's no reason to put a customer through that.
0: Laura. Um, is there a significant advantage then to, to working with somebody who knows the industry?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, from our chief credit officer's mouth, he'll ask me all that time, aren't there consultants in this business? Why aren't these borrowers using those consultants? all the time he said it monday i'm not
1: kidding okay so rick let's let's take a little a little bit of a switch so with your focus on equipment financing how do your requirements um differ from those of a traditional bank or sba financing applications and then tacking onto that you know what are you looking for do you ask for business plans and how does that affect your decision sure excuse me
2: yeah, uh, our, our requirements are vastly different than than banking and SBA lenders. We will sometimes require, especially for a startup, the same information, um, you know, typically business plan, two years of personal tax returns, um, bank statements, all the personal financial statement, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but we don't look at it nearly the same or not nearly as in depth, to be honest with you. Um, for me, a business plan, I 100% agree with Scott, uh, a 90-page business plan uh, just is, is a complete waste of, of time. Um, That's somebody who probably is more in love with their business plan than, than, than getting approved, <laughs> I think. Um, we, when we do require a business plan, well, let me take a step back. We, we have, for startups, application-only financing available. Uh, It's not a huge amount. It's a great compliment maybe to an SBA loan or to whatever money you've raised from friends and family or out of your retirement or whatever. But we can finance probably up to $100,000 or $150,000 sometimes with just an application uh, for a startup. Um, So uh, it's it's, it's really different in that way. We're looking at personal credit history, just like I'm sure Scott is as well, but uh, that's more where we're focusing on is do you have the history of taking on larger loans and paying them back, Um, for existing breweries that have been in business, we can probably do $300,000 without financials. but when we do ask for the tax returns, what we're looking for typically is, uh, does this borrower have some outside income? Um, do they have a long enough runway to, to get this equipment in place and producing, um, revenue before they run out? And, uh, and it's kind of just that old uh, character thing, right? And I could do these sound seem like people who are going to take seriously their obligation to repay the debt. Um, so uh, our underwriting can be as quick as two days from application to funding. Um, I wouldn't say that startups, that's very typical because usually information that you're requiring trickles in from startups, or we hear from them just like I'm sure Scott does. We hear from somebody who's kind of got that daydreaming phase. Like I'm thinking about starting a brew and they're asking questions. And then six months later, they ask another question. And then, you know, so, um, but it is, it is just a wildly different financial tool. Um, and quite frankly, typically more expensive. We have shorter terms and, and higher rates, but it's also because we're taking bigger risks. We, we know less about the applicant, uh, which is sometimes good. It's, I don't want to say it's don't ask, don't tell, but if, if you've been turned down by your bank, there's a reason. And when you come to talk to somebody like me, um, you've learned from that experience. Right. And so you can adjust your business plan or you can decide you don't want to do the full disclosure of uh, providing tax returns and everything. You might want to do just application only financing. Um, so and then uh, I think you'd ask is the business plan itself. um I, just like Scott, I, I like to see who's running the company. Mostly what I want to see and what my underwriters want to see is that somebody took the time to complete the business plan. Um, Scott had mentioned, you know, sometimes he gets what it's not a business plan, but a template, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone through that template people have sent me. And the first few pages looks like they really put a lot of time and effort into it. And then you get to page three or four. And it literally says like, insert owners here or... You know insert products here and it's just completely uh, to me those are that's somebody who didn't have the uh, the grit to get to the end you know and they, they're just trying to get that application in and get something funded maybe they found a, the perfect location and they just have to get the proof before the landlord leases it to somebody else and they you know um, I just I have a real problem with somebody Not with a person, but with somebody who submits something like that—that's incomplete. They're not taking their end of the job seriously, so I shouldn't take my end of the job seriously either.
1: Got it. Okay, so Scott, you answered this a little bit, but I wanted to to dive in a little deeper. So, obviously, a lot of people have very lengthy, fleshed-out business plans, um, maybe more fanciful than practical. But so, how do you really screen for control? or not, sorry, screen or control for realism in a business plan, if that makes sense. So in other words, you know, how how do you know if those numbers are realistic or not? And how do you help figure that out?
3: Yeah, well, we we have a lot of data, right? There's certain... um, subscriptions we have to certain uh, databases and information that's out there. So we can look up specific industries, all industries. Uh, We have other information that comes in from SBA on, you know, charge-offs and failure rates of specific, and not just breweries, but all industries. And it's a 10-year look back, right? So that helps us from a credit perspective of what industries we want to lend to, right? But on the, uh, you know, the key with the the individuals, the way we do it is is—is our research. We'd use the Brewers Association. We subscribe to that. You know, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of good data there, right? That you can look at. Um, we've done a lot of volume, right? So we're a high volume craft beverage lender, like Rick, you know, uh, two, 300 breweries. I don't know, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's hard to remember them all and distilleries we do. So we have that data, but then we have real results because guess what, next year, the customer has to supply their annual tax returns their their p you know p and l's or balance sheets we're reviewing that data and then we go back to the projection to see you know how how close are we how far off are we are we shattering it right um so there's some real world information that we come back you know cost of goods we have some kind of you know some models built out that tell us this is what cost of goods should look like. That doesn't mean every brewery comes in saying cost goods. And if you're not there, we decline the loan. We ask questions. We go, well, what did you include in cost of goods sold? Oh, I included this, this. Okay, well, some do, some don't, some break it out elsewhere, right? So you just have to, every deal is different, but That's why I mentioned how important it is to talk about the equipment and its capacity and how many barrels you expect to to sell and how are you going to sell it? Because our underwriters have seen things. So, you know, if you have a 10 barrel system, uh, put it this way, I've seen deals where they're on a very small system, call it a pilot or a couple barrel and the math doesn't work. They'd have to brew seven days a week, twice a day. It's not feasible. And the underwriter will go, who did these numbers, right? They make no sense. They can't make that much product based on what they have. They'll be out of beer in a few days. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So that's something that, you know, where we just have a lot of knowledge from being in the industry, seeing the good and the bad. Um, You know, we've had a lot of breweries excel and open four, five, six locations, doing great, right? Others, not so much, you know, and just so we try to dig in on each of those and learn a little bit. And then when we see the plan, we're looking for that. And, you know, one thing I'll say about the business plan is it, it still can remain fluid. You know, I'm the type of lender that, you know, I'm an SBA lender. So we're looking at credits that are typically not a bankable loan, right? It's not a commercial loan. There's not existing history. So we are looking at projects that you know we can adjust and your in your and your space could change, your equipment could change throughout the process. So it's okay to go back to the business plan and make the adjustments. But let's make sure I always try to make sure with me and my borrower we remember to do that. We're not submitting an old business plan or version number seven out of 10. Let's get the most current and let's make those updates. So as Rick mentioned before, that's their homework. Right. That's where you need to make my life easier. You need to answer those questions and make sure you're editing things and, and updating and getting that back for the final product. Um does that that answer your question?
1: I hope I think so. Laura?
0: Bye. Um so Scott, every year you get an updated financials and updated um financial statements and all that stuff, if you see things that are concerning at year one or year two, when you get these updates, kind of how do you handle that?
3: Yeah. So once the loan is closed, you know, I still am involved and in charge of that loan, but it goes off to a portfolio manager within the bank. So they manage, you know, the loans that we have on on our books. And so their, their job is to reach out to the customers generally on a quarterly basis, just to touch base, see how things are going. Um, if it's a troubled loan, they're talking to them more often, right? If there's late payments and things like that. So part of their obligation in signing the SBA loan and the note with the bank for the loan is to supply, you know, updated financial statements annually. So when they file the corporate return for the business, we get a copy of that. We get a, a copy of the personal guarantor's uh, tax returns. We get their current PLs and balance sheets. So, when, and, and their personal financial statements. So, they have to do an updated personal financial statement annually. So, what we're looking for, if you're a portfolio manager, your job there is to look, is there any stress, right? Is there first stress in the numbers, right? Are they not meeting expectations year over year? Are they declining? You know, is there a reason? Uh, then next, I'd be looking at the personal financials, right? I'd look at the tax returns on the personal side. Maybe something happened there. Maybe there was a spouse that had an outside income all of a sudden left the job for whatever reasons. So there's stress on the household now. So that's creating stress in the business, right? Because these people are the business. I mean, you're a small business owner, you're in it. Um, So those financials, that's the, it's one is to do a checkup on the business, but two is to look for signs of stress elsewhere that could create further stress down the road and try to head that off. Um, at least, you know, that's what I see from our portfolio managers. They're trying to be proactive and and say, you know, I see some stress here. Maybe should reach out to them. We'll do an annual review and talk to them about the numbers. Um, when we do our comparisons, it's, it's been difficult. You know, after COVID was a tough one, right? So anybody that had a projection in 2020 and then didn't open, I <laughs> guess they didn't hit it. I right? hope they did, but not many. So, you know, that one portfolio has to say, OK, we, we understand we're probably going to see losses, but let's see what 21 brings. Let's see what 22 now year over year are we looking good. And the, and the main piece of that is that if the payments are current, a lot of that, you know, is sort of silent. You know, there's this, the portfolio managers are working on the, the loans that have some trouble and have some stress right first. If you're a good paying customer, you just go out there and do what you do. Sell your product, make your beer. So. Um, that's how we handle it. I don't know if all lenders handle it that way, but from there, you know, our team generally would go out. If they're stressing the deal, they go out and visit the customer. Um, And then, you know, the next piece of that is getting them help, right? Depending on where it is. Is it operational? Is it financial? Is it both? Is it, uh, they lost the head brewer. Uh, You know, there's great, as we talked on this, there's great consultants out there that have done, all these facets of a brewery and they could insert. So for me personally, I've given a list to my portfolio managers, people that I know that can help in all those different pieces and maybe they should reach out. It's time, you know, maybe it's just you're in over your head in a certain aspect of the business. It's not your strength, get some help, you know?
1: So I have a quick question on that because in my experience, a lot of craft brewers don't reach out for help until it's too late. Um, you know, when they're so far in the hole that they can't really dig out. Um, so are you basically saying that if they're having issues, they should reach out to their lender? Cause I, I actually feel like the, like the instinct, the, the gut there to do the opposite. Like I wouldn't want to tell the people I owe money that I'm having trouble with money.
3: Yeah, good question. So 28 years ago when I got into the SBA business, the bank, I had the privilege at the bank. I, I didn't I was going to go into sales, but instead they made me be a workout officer. So I learned from the bad part of the deal to get out to the good part of which is making somebody thrilled to get a loan and get into business. So I got to see the trouble and the stress. And I had some really good mentors. You know, back then we get in the car and drive to the place it didn't matter where it was three states over. Somebody was going to see that customer, right? You know, today it's a little different, right? We, we can do things with video and other ways where you can hire somebody just to see are the lights still on? Is the place solvent? Because, you know, I, I've collected loans where the business was dark. There was no notification to us. And I go out to drive there to the site visit and I call my boss and say, the place is dark, everything's gone. There's no business, right? And then we work from there. Um, but yes, Proactive is what they would teach me, right? But we were small bank. So we had a small portfolio, right? It wasn't overwhelming. Um, you know, banks that are massive banks, that's difficult, right? They're typically touching the problem loans first, right? The loans that are close to default. So for us, it's, you know, somebody gets close to that's never been passed due, and all of a sudden they're 12 to 15 days. That's not an emergency, but it's worth a phone call right? To check in. And you're 100% right. The customers are afraid to come and approach the bank. Or where do I, who do I talk to? Where do I go? If I were you, go back to the person that started the loan for you. That's the sales guy, right? Or gal. And they probably could point you to the right people or then talk to you. I would. I would talk to my customer and say, well, what's going on? Let's get, you know, let's talk about it. And, and, And banks could help, right? In some cases. So yeah, it's better to do that. I tell my customers that. Look, something's going on. Call me if you're having late, you're having distress or late payment. Let me know. Let's get somebody in early rather than hide, and the outcome's usually not favorable.
2: Rick, yeah, I was just totally back what back that up what Scott is saying. I I could have countless examples of clients who got in over their head for whatever reason or another and um didn't take the time just to call us and let us know what's going on um and it it just doesn't work out that way when 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 you're late pay when you're a late payer all of a sudden and you're not in touch with and, you know the, the the workout officer or whatever is calling you and you're not responding um that's a huge red flag and that at least in my world kind of is like hitting the fast forward button to getting into collections but if you're having problems and you take the time to talk to somebody like, hey, this is what's going on. We expect it to be short term, whatever this, that and the other. There's a lot of a lot of workarounds that can be you know, taken into account or, or provided. Uh, but if you're not talking, it is like the, <laughs> it's like the fast lane to uh, to the collections department in, in my experience.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely would say, I mean, if you're afraid to talk to your if you're afraid to talk to people you owe money to, I get that. But that maybe is the time to call a consultant or call somebody sure. and at least talk talk to them uh, about what you're going through. Rick, let's go back to you. In general, if you see a business plan or concept come through that seems to be either overly optimistic or just not well thought out, what kind of feedback do you give the applicant? Do you tell yeah. them, <laughs> you're crazy?
2: <laughs> Hopefully, I've never used those words. <laughs> But I, I, I uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I, uh, most of the time that we cannot get a deal approved is it, the reason won't be because of the business plan. I might look at the business plan and say, oh, this is a pipe dream, um, but uh, but their credit is good. They have good outside income or whatever. And and we can get the deal approved and, and, and closed. So uh, typically, uh, and it, I, I guess, I guess, and to add to that, in my experience, most business plans, you know, the first month after you open go to hell anyways and <laughs> you realize, oh this isn't how the real world works. you know we've got to change this, we've got to pivot here. So there's there has been times where um, you know I've said maybe to a client or a potential client, you know you you say you're gonna do a uh, hundred barrels a month and you've got this system that there's no way, just like Scott was saying can produce a hundred barrels a month or a, a, even a better example is someone who says, I I saw this several years ago. Somebody just wanted to do only loggers and they had like a three barrel system. And it just didn't make sense. Like, you know, have you ever made a logger before? Because that's going to be a lot of fermenters. You're going to have to have beer in for a long period of time while you're not making money. If all you're going to do is sell loggers, especially with a three barrel system. So I've pointed that kind of thing out, but, um, but if it's just, uh, you know hey we want to make a, a cat themed brewery and my mind that seems like well i don't know how many cat themed beer drinkers there are um i just let that thing go <laughs> it's uh you know what do i know about cat themed breweries
1: <laughs> are you did so are you saying cat themed
2: i am i just okay. I, I i i got an application yesterday for a dog themed brewery and uh i <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't want to single anybody out, but I guess I
1: just have. <laughs> well, you know what? I will tell you, there are a lot of dog themed breweries. I think I have at least three or four clients who are dog themed based on their name. Sure. So <laughs> sure. I I don't know that I've seen a cat themed win- yet. I've seen cat themed wineries, however. Is that right? <laughs> Oddly enough. Scott, same question to you. How do you um, react or give feedback to an applicant whose business plan really just doesn't? Fit your expectations.
3: I'm still stuck on the cat themed brewery. <laughs> Having a really difficult time segueing here. I have done a dog themed, and they actually had a dog kennel business within it. So oh, that's so. probably the most unique, you know, other than just bringing your dog, you can leave your dog, and they had dog playgrounds, or you can kennel them, and they had dog bathing and grooming. And, oh, wow. brewery, and they did very well. I passed on that deal.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: Got to, As a dog owner,
1: I would go to that brewery like brewery, while he's brewery, getting brewery. Groomed, I have a couple of beers. It's perfect. <laughs> I,
3: I remind my team all the time. We passed on that <laughs> deal. Um, so all right, what was your question?
1: <laughs> um, how do you respond to an applicant who the business plan just isn't realistic or it you know isn't really um up to snuff?
3: Yeah, very, very challenging. And, and what I hear in the market is those applicants never hear from the person they submitted it to. So I don't like that to be me. So I have to just be very honest with them and let them know, you know, you're going to hear from me good or bad in 48 hours, whether this looks, you know, it has the the, the merit to move forward or not. Um, they, gen- you know, if it's a no, it's a no, right. But what I'll try to do is point out why and, and give them some feedback as to here's what's, if it's the business plan, here's what I see, here's what's wrong, here's what's missing. As Rick mentioned before, you know, insert here, insert above, you know, that shouldn't happen. Do your homework, clean it up. Um, You know, I'll try to give them some feedback if it's on the financials, if it's on the personal financial side, are there things that we can do uh, there, right? And just be more of a consultative, than than a banker i'm not a banker right so i'm an sba lender it's different and and so our deals are you know we're used to seeing those things and seeing you know deficiencies in the deal but that sba enhancement can make it better and make it stronger but um, there are just some that no i have to be honest it, it just doesn't fit for us for the type of deals that we're looking for you know you hear that all the time in banks they have a credit box you know well sure, we have a policy, uh, but there's exceptions to policies, right? There's deals that can get done and you can go outside that. So, uh, but there's just some that, yeah, I mean, there's just looks like too much work to be done, not enough thoughts been put in it. And it's just doesn't seem like it's going to be successful. So it's just the pass for us. And, and like I said, on that one, I mean, some I've passed on and you know what, they made it happen. I'm happy for them. And it's just a, a lending decision. You have to, you know, but I'll do it pretty quickly um and i encourage other lenders to do the same you know some people are hanging on you know they're talking to me well i submitted eight months ago i'm like well guess what you didn't hear in eight (laughs) months it's not happening (laughs) and they just didn't want to call and tell you that so uh, (laughs) good or bad i'm gonna be honest it's coming
1: well so would you ever in this for for both of you so would you ever tell someone like you know hey this is very poorly done, or it looks like you didn't put enough thought into it. Go do your due diligence and come back, or do you just kind of say we're passing on this?
0: Okay. Okay. You want me yeah. to go?
3: Um,
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: they might have a second chance. It okay. depends if there's other merits of the deal that are strong. Then, then yes. If everything is, you know, like we we look at strengths and weaknesses, right? That's our analysis at the end, you know, as you're making your decision. And so if the strengths still outweighed it and that's a weakness, we can let them work on that weakness, right? Same with the projections. Sometimes they're overinflated or underinflated or, you know, they, they most people I find want to come in super conservative. But sometimes it's so conservative the deal has no cash flow can't resurface the debt, we're not going to, we can't make that loan. Right. So we try to tell them, you know, yeah, you can go back and make that adjustment. That's something that's realistic to change. And, and, um, again, that's kind of SBA lending 101 for me. Uh, no deal's perfect, but we love when they come in 99% perfect.
1: Gotcha. Rick?
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I've ever gone back to somebody
2: and said, Hey, you just did a crappy job on this, but I will certainly say, you know, hey, you can put a little bit more, spend a little more time right here or more realistically, like, okay, this is what you gave me. This is what I need. And, um, and and if they can't come back with that again, like Scott says, you know, if they can't do their homework, um, I won't, you know, I, I won't not do the deal. I might just say, well, we, let's switch gears. and Let's do uh, application only financing instead. You know, the business plan isn't coming together for you. Your, your, your tax returns don't support what you're asking for maybe we look at a smaller loan over here for your equipment and, uh, and and you get up friends and family for, uh, uh, for the rest, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I I try to, I try to say no as little as possible. You know, sometimes you just have to, you can see that somebody is not putting the effort in. They're hoping that I'll do everything for them and come back with a single digit rate. And all they had to do is out an online application. Um, That's just not realistic, but, uh, but the people who you can tell just, maybe have never put a business plan together they just don't know what they're getting into they might be a great business owner but they've just never done this before it's worth talking to and it's worth kind of holding their hand through the process
1: yeah got it awesome okay so um as we're kind of getting near the end um just basically want to do your final words of wisdom like so if you could give a startup One piece of advice doesn't even have to be about the business plan, but probably more about funding or finance. What would um, your advice be, Uh, Scott?
3: Uh, My number one advice would be be prepared before you're going to speak with your lender. And so, you know, there's going to be very specific things that we've been talking about on this podcast of what you need to be ready to apply for the loan. Some customers don't know when to apply. Is it too early? Is it too late? You know, let your lender decide that, right? But crucial pieces are the plan, the projections, the assumptions. You should have a space located. Can't tell you how many deals, you know, they want to move to underwriting and commitment. We don't have a lease. Well, every space is going to be different. It's going to change the numbers. It's going to change. It could be demographics. It could be, you know, just the size of it, right? So many different things. So, you know, have those... Be prepared, have that broken out, have those things in place, make it, you know, when when a lender asks, I guess another kind of a pet peeve of mine is I'm pretty thorough with my initial package that I send to the borrower. There's a lot of helpful documents. There's templates. There's, you know, things that can help them to learn through the process pretty quickly, right, for working capital. And how do we get there? and, And I'm happy to share, right? Those are free documents. They could use them or just use them as, you know, informational. Um, what frustrates me is I can't start when I pick up that loan to look at it. I want to start and finish. I don't want to pick up a loan and read the business plan. I don't get paid to read business plans. I'd be broke. Okay. I need to make loans and work on the loans that have to move through that are ready to close. And so, you know, have everything ready to go, send it in one time and don't, don't try to piecemeal the deal together, leaving out this, leaving out, well, I'll do my projections later. Have it prepared. Take the time show the lender that you're, you know, you're in this, you've done your work, you've done your homework. Right. But the other piece would be, there still can be corrections and variations to it. Right. Things will continue to change. Generally the use of funds that a borrower puts in the business plan, I'm going to change it twice because it's going to change based on construction and all the different pieces, things they forgot about, things they never knew about. Right. And that's our job is to, to educate them. But, be prepared that's probably my biggest you know final words of encouragement for somebody submitting working on submitting a loan for an app, NSBA one gotcha rick yeah i
2: i would add, echo those sentiments completely and um the the number of people we've spoken to over the years who uh didn't know what their credit score was uh or what their credit was maybe you don't know your score but you know what your you know what your credit is like, right? You know, if the amount of people who apply for financing who have a sub 600 credit score is unbelievable. And um, and so the, the kind of the piece of advice, I, I've i been echoing this for years. I know Laura and Candice, you guys have heard me say this before at various conferences and whatnot, but you're starting a business and you're planning on doing it with a partner. Uh, you guys need to sit down and have a frank discussion with each other about your net worth, about your credit history, um, what you're willing to put into the, in terms of time and, and, and sacrifice into the business. Um, I have seen a lot of what would have been otherwise good applicants get declined because uh, one partner has great personal credit and the other one just filed bankruptcy. And it is complete surprise. Um, you know, if, if you're, if, if you submit an application to me and I call you up and say, my God, you've got a 560 FICO score. And you're like, what? I think I know you're full of crap because if, 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 there, if people are calling you to collect mortgage payments, you know you don't have a good credit score, right? <laughs> so um, I think some people are, are super optimistic, which is one of the things I absolutely love about the beer industry, but you also have to be a little realistic too. And, and understanding where you fall in terms of a credit risk um, is important. Um, and that doesn't mean if you have had a couple of hiccups here and there that you're not financeable. It means you're probably not bankable, but someone like Scott might be able to help you out with, uh, you know, maybe you've got a ton of equity in your home or something like that. And they can help with that. Uh, we don't take second positions or first positions on someone's mortgage or someone's home, but we have a pretty broad, um, credit window. And, and so it doesn't mean you're not financeable, but at least come to the table, knowing and knowing where you are and, and be realistic about what that means for borrowing in the future. Uh, you know, somebody with a, uh, I don't know. Let's say a, a mid-range credit isn't going to get premier rates, uh, and that's okay. You can still get your finance. You can still be really successful. We'll give you pl- You can earn plenty of money to repair your credit, but you're going to have to start someplace.
1: <laughs> so, actually, let me ask a question about that because I definitely have had situations over the years where, you know, I'll have two two guys coming that want to open a brewery. One is generally kind of the money business person and the other is a brewer. And a lot of times the brewer may have had, you know, financial difficulties in the past. So if you have two owners and one has good credit and one does not, since clearly, as we've just found out, that's going to affect things, um, is it better to, you know, have the owner with the, let's say the, the owner, prospective owner with not great credit, um, if they have a lower percentage of ownership, does that make a difference, or should they not be an owner? Maybe, maybe initially. Maybe initially, you know, they're either like a minimal percentage, and then that can grow over time. As you know, obviously over time, you know, people's credit tends to get better, especially if they've had a bankruptcy. Do, do those kind of things help in that situation?
2: The, yeah, that's actually. Uh, the, I mean, you're talking to me, right, Candice? I'm yeah. sorry.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean both you guys, but, but definitely you first. Okay.
2: Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Um, we, I've seen that scenario a number of times and I mean, you laid it out perfectly. It's usually somebody with some business acumen or some sort of a, you know, high paying job that they just they really want to start a brewery and they hire a, uh, uh, you know, a brewer who's, who's looking to, who, I don't know a single brewer who doesn't want to own a brewery. Right. Or at least they didn't used to maybe, maybe now it's a little bit different, but, um, if we catch them earlier, if they've already formed the LLC and they're 50, 50, that's what we have to work with. And, and, and we, and I think Scott said the same thing. We we require a personal guarantee of anyone who has 20% or greater ownership. And so, uh, so we're going to have to look at that, that poor credit and take it into account. Uh, If they haven't formed the LLC, sometimes my advice is, well, you know, give him 15% interest. So he feels like, you know, he's, he's tied to the deal and, uh, um, and it can grow over over the years, but we don't we don't want to see him on the on the credit application. Um, I don't know if that's that's right or wrong. It probably doesn't. The brewer may not love that, but uh, but what happens after we fund the deal in terms of how they amend that uh, agreement is once we're done, we're done. Sounds. Like, I mean, Scott will probably re- review it next year, right? Um, which is probably a pretty darn good idea. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but once once we fund a deal we're out until they stop paying for whatever
3: reason uh you know we're we're pretty much done
1: Scott,
3: yeah we're we're kind of in the same uh, we talked about 20 percent owner or greater of the company is going to be a full personal guarantor it's not a pro rata share or you know you're you're on the hook for the whole loan just like everybody else in the group so yeah if we if we start with somebody very early uh, you know, with SBA, there's two sets of this. I mean, there's three really. It's your credit, right? But it's also background. So we have to do background checks. This is a, a, a government-backed, you know, in the United States loan, right? So there's things there's there's uh, in the application documents specific government questions are being asked. Are you a citizen? Uh, have you ever filed bankruptcy? Or do you have a, a pending lawsuit? A divorce? all these things, you check yes to any of those, that kind of stops the lender in their tracks to say, well, wait a minute, pause. And now we have to dig deeper, right? Get the answers to those and figure out, you know, somebody has a misdemeanor. That's something that can be waived, right? Somebody has a felony, different story. So we have to kind of dig into those things to see if they're even eligible for SBA. And then we get into ownership and personal credit, personal financial statement, et cetera. Right. But a lot of times if, 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 if the you know there's an investor on there and there's some things in the background, and they they would just say yeah, you know what I'll drop below a certain percentage so I don't have to be on the loan, and we'll go from there. Um, you know, careful. There's some lenders right that the SBA gives these guidelines right, but there's some lenders that you know they're going to follow the money trail. And I understand what that means is you know you've got the investor that's really putting in all the equity, all the money, but is not guaranteeing the loan and then there's a few other individuals that just don't have the net worth to do this and they're not putting anything in right but they're putting their names on the line of the of the guarantee you know guaranteeing the loan a lot of times the lender is going to push back and say you know without that other person being on the loan that's just a credit decision without that other person coming on loan this loan probably won't happen right you know the, the other individuals in the company don't have the wherewithal to repay this loan that's that that person so you know we we just Every deal comes in different, but that's that's kind of the standard pieces that we have to look at. So,
1: Got it. Well, and one thing I will mention, just because Rick had said, um, if they come in before the LLC is formed, so just from the legal perspective, if you've already formed the LLC and you're already 50-50, that can actually be amended. Um, if you've already formed, it's not a problem, at least in general. Scott?
3: SPA has a rule. Oh, so, unless yeah, it's
1: in regards to an SBA loan. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah,
3: SBA. So I'm going to talk SBA. SBA it's a six-month look back. So if you form the company now and then you come to me and we say, you know, John Smith needs to drop below and you go and amend those documents and the the corporate, you know, the, whether it be LLC corporation, the organizational docs, the operating agreement gets amended I still have those original documents. I still know that there was a 50-50 share at one point. And now all of a sudden, mysteriously, it's dropped. And SBA has a rule in that because generally what's happening is the individuals that have high net worth or wealth that wanted to be in the business but don't want to run it, they realize that once they applied and said, no way, I want to be on this loan. I was just wanting to be in for equity. Right. I don't want to be a guarantor. So... uh SBA has put a rule in there to stop lenders from, you know, working on a deal like that. So basically the borrower has to stop in their tracks if they want an SBA loan and wait six months after they've changed the ownership and then reapply.
1: Okay. So, but that's the situation where the person who dropped below is the high net worth. What if the person who dropped below is because they have bad credit, but it's the same thing regardless.
3: Yeah. It's any change of ownership because sometimes we have no data on that individual. You know, they didn't submit anything to us yet. They didn't submit tax returns or personal financials, but I'm working with somebody else in the company that wants to get the loan that's saying, and then eventually I'll say, well, send me over your, you know, your LLC documents. And then they send them and I open and I say, well, who's John Smith? Where'd you see that? Well, it's right there. It says 50%. And they go, oh, well, (laughs) and then the story comes out, which is okay, you know, but there is a six month look back for us. So it Um, It hurts because sometimes we like the deal. We want to move forward. We just can't. So I always tell people, talk to your lender early. Talk to us before you go down too far down a road that we can't sort of pull back because SBA's got 600 plus pages called an SOP. And there's a lot of information in there to, you know, when lenders get creative, they put another rule in there.
1: Got it. Rick? Uh, I was just going to say,
2: we don't have that rule and our SOP doesn't exist. So
1: there's a reason,
2: <laughs> there's, there's a reason that we're, that we exist. I love as it's in Scott and full disclosure, Scott and I have worked together on several deals over the years. There there's uh we work really well together. So there, but there's a reason that there's bankers, SBA lenders, and then equipment finance companies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always tell people, if you're going to look out there looking for money, do your research, check out which one's the right fit for you. And then, and then go down that, that hole.
1: Perfect. Well, I know we need to wrap up. I think uh, we're starting to run a little long. So I wanted to thank you guys for being here and lots of good information, I think.
0: Yeah, tons of good information. I think that our listeners are going to really appreciate all of the deep dives there. Um, so a big thank you to to Rick and to Scott and to all of our listeners for joining us now and in the future for episode 23, Your Business Plan and Financing, How Much Does It Matter? of the Start a Beret podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode 24, our season one wrap up. This new episode will be released before the Roosters Crow on Tuesday, November 21st. While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Started Brewery website at startedbrewery.com, a free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their breweries. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process, plan, act, open, and grow, at the educational resources and at the offerings from our savvy contributors in our growing library. You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Started Brewery contributors, content, events, and more great information on the contact page of the website. We also encourage you to explore All About Beer and their website at allaboutbeer.com. Perhaps pop in to enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well. In the meantime, this has been Laura Lodge and Candace Moon, wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery.